I feel really bad for Daisy Edgar Jones right now. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I typed in Daisy Jones, and one of the first results was Daisy Edgar Jones. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about her. (laughs) I mean, what a coincidence. I know. (laughs) Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. Hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing the Amazon Prime series, Daisy Jones and the Six. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves, and when we do, let's answer the question, what is your favorite fictional band or musician? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and it's probably no surprise that my favorite fictional band is Guy and Girl from the 2007 movie, Uh, Once, played by Glenn Hansard and uh, Marquetta Urglova. That is a true soundtrack that I love. Yeah. And I think it's enhanced by the fact that, you know, they're real musicians and songwriters uh, who eventually went on to release music together as the swell season. But like that feels like the truest form of <laughs> fictional band <laughs> music. Sure. Um, I love that movie. I love them together. It's fantastic. Yeah. That movie and that music had such a grip on me in college. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it really <laughs> defined us and, and a lot of our tastes, I yes, think. Yes, for sure. Especially in a lot of my cinematic taste, to be quite mm, honest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's an amazing answer. My name is Sandra Amstutz. I live here in Nashville, Tennessee. The thing that if I'm being super honest, a fictional musician that really like hit me hard when I was very, very young, and that is power line from a goofy movie. <laughs> he only has two songs, Stand Out and Eye to Eye. Yep. But Stand Out is such an amazing song. Um, and to this day, I will listen to it and it will hype me up like nothing else. Yeah, so uh, that he perfect example of a musician I would love to listen yes. to in real life. I loved both of those songs as a kid. And more than that, I loved the dancing. Um, yeah. He's so good. Just yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, we're going to talk a lot more about fictional musicians coming up. Um, but before we do that, I want to ask you, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Well, this week I am feeling Only Lovers Left Alive, which is a 2013 film by Jim Jarmusch. Um, I've always heard great things about it and knew that I was going to get around to seeing it eventually, but I'm not actually a huge fan of, of Jim Jarmusch <laughs> and have never really prioritized it until now. And I got to say, uh, the hype machine did not lie. Yeah. I love this movie. It's really good. Um, it's to, like, it's a weird, for those who haven't seen it, it's like a weird meditation on art and music through the lens of like two vampire lovers played by, uh, real life vampires, Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. Um, <laughs> I do have a soft spot for characters who are just like sitting, talking about, uh, the pursuit of art and culture. Uh, and that's most of this movie. <laughs> so it, uh, I, I th- I think it's a movie that's hard to recommend because it is so niche and weird, um, but it is right up my alley. I love this movie so much. You know, 
We're going to talk later on in this episode about our, our Oscar bet where one person picks a movie that the other person has to watch they yep. haven't seen yet. And before the Oscars, I started thinking like, oh, if I win, what will I make Lucas watch? And I was sneaking through your letterbox <laughs> trying to find things you hadn't seen yet. And yep. when I realized you hadn't seen Only Lovers Left Alive, I was like, well, that's kind of the perfect movie to yep. recommend. Yep. So I'm it so is. glad I didn't have to you do that. You didn't have to even recommend it. I, I got to it on my own, finally. <laughs> A decade later. <laughs> um, I like to watch this movie around Halloween. Yeah. Um, because it is, you know, it's a it has vampires in it, so it fits that you know, Halloween monster theme, but it also is not like a classic vampire movie in right. any way. And it had, but it still has like a very, a spookiness to it, an eeriness, a dread throughout the film um, that is really nice to watch on like a cold fall night. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, but even though I'm, I'm saying it has eeriness and spookiness and dread, it is not by any means a horror film. It is yeah. like, the the vibes in this movie are so good. It's I I love sitting in it. And I think the eeriness and the spookiness and the dread at no point have anything to do with uh, the scariness of vampires. Like right. it's not about vampires. Right. It's about the world and it's like the um, dread of human existence. Exactly. Exactly. It's so depressing. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what make what makes it so good is that it is so depressing. Mm-hmm. But Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton are so cool. Oh my gosh, yeah. In this movie that you like want to be depressed with them. Like yes. it like yes. you crave <laughs> being in their presence. It's not like it will sink you into a depression. It's like, oh, yeah. it's it's a kind of like hurt so good kind mm-hmm. of feeling. Absolutely. Um I also again, I've said I, I don't love Jim Jarmusch, but he is a musician and movies about musicians made by musicians uh just are real good and <laughs> he in the in this movie tom hiddleston is a musician and you know collects guitars and plays music and there's music from jim jamosh's band in this and it's just so dark and gritty and it just it's real good vampire music mm-hmm. i love it um also it has great supporting performances by um the late anton yes. yelchin and mia wachowska and the late john hurt Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all three of them. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. real good performances. Yeah. Another thing I love about this movie is, you know, maybe only second to Practical Magic, which I think is the Mm -hmm. best in all situations in this case, but um, is is the set design of this film. The way, like, I want to, even when the houses are grungy and, like, kind of grimy, the way that the homes and the the cities are are all laid out in these film in this film oh i want i want to be there immediately yeah yeah so that's only lovers left alive it is not a movie i would recommend to most people but it is if if you get a recommendation you have to watch it <laughs> here's the thing it's the kind of movie you want to like recommend to cool people like (laughs) and not like the two cool people i mean like the people that you really think are cool and you want to be cool together watch this movie well sandra what are you feeling this week okay so i am feeling a huge news event that is related to a tv show that's interesting all right (laughs) okay i am willing to bet 
$50 Ooh. that you, if I say the word Scandaval, that you don't know what that is. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. I, I'm glad that I feel confident in that. Yeah. Um, okay. So have you ever heard of Vanderpump Rules? Yes. Okay. What? Tell me what you think Vanderpump Rules is or what you know about Vanderpump Rules. Uh, it's like uh, the Housewives shows, um, but it's about – it's not – they're not Housewives. Like they are just women who do okay. things. <laughs> this is going very poorly. <laughs> so you know that it's a reality show. Yep. And that's it? That Yeah. W- okay. Women are involved, right? There are women on the cast. Yep. It's mostly um, okay. women, though, right? Like the Vanderpumps. No, no. so it's a pretty even split, gender-wise. Okay. So okay. Vanderpump Rules is a reality show on Bravo, the network that has the Real Housewives. Yeah. Um, it is a TV show that was kind of spun off of the Real Housewives because one of the former Housewives of Beverly Hills is Lisa Vanderpump. And Lisa, Lisa Vanderpump owns several bars and restaurants in West Hollywood. And... Vanderpump Rules is a reality show that in the very beginning was about the bartenders and servers that worked at her restaurant that all were friends with each other, slept with each other, cheated on each other, fought with each other. You know, it was just a, it was a workplace friend group reality show. Um, and it has been going on for like nine or 10 seasons now. And now that they've all gotten famous, very few of them still work for her as bartenders or servers. But it's still about this main core friend group, okay? I maintain that Vanderpump Rules is one of the best television shows that we've had in the past decade. Um, it is my favorite reality TV show. I, I love it so much. I think it's so juicy. It's one of the funniest shows on TV for me. I, I, I It's the peak of reality TV, okay? All right. What has right. happened... In the past two weeks is an event related to the show called Scandaval. And that is because it is a scandal related to one of the show's main cast members whose name is Tom Sandoval. Um, One thing I think you need to know about Vanderpump Rules is that they all hook up with each other, date each other, cheat on each other. A lot of cheating happens on this show, okay? All right. However, a lot of the cheating is like, I went to Vegas and I cheated on you with a girl in Vegas. Or, you know, we slept together once. We got drunk and slept together kind of thing. It's like very messy, right? Yep. It's like messy behavior. Yep. What came out two weeks ago was that one of the, like, again, he's been on the show the entire time, Tom Sandoval, who has been dating his partner on the show for, I think, either nine or, I think, like, nine years now. They're not married, but they do have own a house together. So they're, they've been together. They're essentially married as far, you know. Yep. He, if, if it had just come out that he had cheated on her, it would have been like, oh, no, that's a little surprising because they seemed so solid. But, it, you know, what, it happens. But what came out was that he has been having a seven-month affair with another girl on the cast that was friends with his partner. And this news was so shocking that the New York Times has done a piece on Vanderpump Rules and this event. 
all of my Instagram and Twitter accounts, all they have, they, everyone can't stop talking about this. And for the past two weeks, I get on Twitter, I get on Instagram to see the latest updates. And there have been so many updates that have come out since this news has broke. Updates about the affair, updates about all the other cast members, who knew, who didn't know. One of them, like, may have physically attacked the girl, the the mistress, um, when she found out about this news. It has just been a scandal that has rocked me. And (laughs) I'm so incredibly invested in it. Um, and Vanderpump Rules is currently airing right now. So we're now watching new episodes with this completely different lens of like, these two people on the show are having an affair while all of these scenes are taking place. And, um, it really changes like how the context in which you're viewing every single scene. Have Um, they edited the show in a way that, so that, you know, because you know that this is happening, are they dropping hints and like basically leaving clues for the audience as to what's yeah. happening? So that's a great question. So here's how it works. Vanderpump Rules usually films in the summer and then airs around this time of year. So they finished filming back in like August or September. Okay. And this current season is airing right now. The affair started in August and everyone on the show found they found out about it on I think it was like March 1st and then the news broke publicly on March 3rd. So it was like a 7 month affair. Um when the news broke, so production had already stopped filming a long time ago. Production went back into full force. Cameras came back and they started filming the cast again in the midst of all of this drama. So off um, schedule. Right, completely off schedule. Luckily, this happened before they had filmed their reunion, where, like, you know, reality shows do a reunion at the end of the season where they kind of hash everything out. Mm. Um, So they had this happened before they filmed the reunion, so they haven't done that yet. But um, so they're, they're adding extra content to the end of the season because this has happened. And so far, only I think yet two episodes have come out since the news has broke. And Bravo has said so far that those two episodes were not re-edited. Um, they were exactly as they were going to air, which is even more damning because the most recent episode has all these allusions to the girl who ends up being the mistress, Raquel, um, of her, you know, not being trustworthy around other girls' boyfriends. And there's all these things that you would think that maybe they added in, but they didn't, that that was already the storyline. And so I don't know if any future episodes are going to be re-edited. They just today released a mid-season trailer that does have, that does seem to be edited to have this context in mind Mm -hmm. and already has the footage that they've been filming the past two weeks in the trailer. Ah, okay. I know that this is completely not up your alley, Lucas. So I appreciate you listening to me rant about this. I think it's interesting from a f- like production and filmmaking standpoint. <laughs> big time. <laughs> like the content of it is not something that I'd watch. But like the whole production around this um, is highly intriguing. Yeah. And I can't stress enough like what a shock this has been to like 
reality TV watchers. Like, I don't think, I can't think of anything celebrity gossip wise that has been on this level of like investment. Why is it, why is this so shocking when all of these people have been cheating on each other the entire time? So, like I said earlier, a lot of the cheating has been happening with, um, they're one-off instances, right? It's because, like, these are messy people who get drunk and do bad things. Yeah. So it's um, not, like, full affair situation, which is what this is. Right. Also, another thing that is really important in this context is the partner who was cheated on, her name is Ariana, um, Ariana is the most beloved cast member. Uh, you know, a lot of these people are, like, trash garbage behavior on the show (laughs) and ariana is like consistently the one who is like treating people well seems to be very smart like she's the gem on the show so for her to be the victim of this is like especially you know causes a lot more outrage than if it had been another cast member got it um also someone on twitter i saw described it as this as like this is on the level of imagine if like, if you put it in, like, the context of, like, Friends, the TV show, mm-hmm. if Chandler had been having an affair with Rachel and Joey knew the whole time. Like, that's yeah. how, like, that would be awful. Like, and so that's, like, the level and what we're kind of dealing with here. Got um, it. But I don't think even since, like, honestly, the last thing I can think of where, and it's, and not even to this extent, but was the slap with the Oscars. Yeah. Where... You kind of are just going on Twitter. Just you want to read what every single person has to say about it, you know? Yeah. Um, this is like that times 10 for me. Um, it has been two weeks straight of me being incredibly invested in this. Nice. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's inescapable. Um, and it's this, this show, like I said, if I had to do like a top five TV shows of the last decade... It would be in the top five for me. And I include that with, you know, all the dramas and comedies I love. All all the real TV shows. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's the only reality TV show I would put on the list. Yeah. Um, Because the people on this show, it it can get really dark in a way that's really fascinating. And also, it is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think now is a good time for anyone who does like reality TV. If you've always, like, heard about Vanderpump Rules, I know a lot of people that are either doing a rewatch or starting from the beginning so that they can, like, get invested in this. I think now's a great time to do so. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, let us move on. Um, Last week was the Oscars, and our last episode that we recorded before the Oscars was where we... Did our Oscar predictions. Each year we have an Oscar bet where the person who gets the most predictions right um, for the awards gets to – the person who wins and gets the most predictions right gets to pick a movie that the other person, the loser, has to watch um, before the next year's Oscar ceremony. And um, I'm happy to say – Congratulations, Lucas. You are the winner this year. Thank you. I appreciate it. I do think this evens us out, right? (laughs) You know, I haven't kept track of how many each of us have won or lost. I I think this brought us to even. But if not, it's close. So Yeah. And I... I'm so, like, laissez-faire this year because we really only had two 
um, races, two awards right. where we differed, and only one of them basically you beat me by. Yeah. Um, so it was incredibly close. It was. It was. Yeah. And overall, I think we we're pretty happy with the Oscars as a whole. <laughs> so yes, definitely. Yeah. It was a good how year. Did you, how did you feel about the the ceremony itself? I really enjoyed it. It felt it felt very basic, but it also felt like kind of back to like pre pandemic um, Oscars where. Um, everybody's back in the room. We're doing bits, you know, nothing weird happened the entire time. Um, it just felt good to have that kind of ceremony again, which I feel like we haven't had in like three or four years. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what it, I, I, like I said, basic is a great way to describe it. Pleasant is another word that I use to describe. Yeah, definitely. Um, it made me really start thinking about like, what do I love about the Oscars? Like, what are the moments that like make me excited? And you'll always have, like, the heartwarming speeches. Like, you can't predict those. You can't schedule those. Those will just occur or they won't, right? Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I do wish the Oscars would really put a little bit more effort in is the material that the presenters have to work with. Um, I, I started thinking of, like, my favorite presenters, you know, and, the, like, who is – charmed me in that moment with like a small amount of time mm -hmm. um i think of Kristen wig multiple times i think has been a really funny and charming presenter um there's a great moment where emma stone really made me laugh at i think it was the 2018 oscars um so that's just one my, my biggest critique is like yeah. can we bring a little bit more a humor that is not cringy and, yep. and and just charm and lightness to yep. those moments. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. But like I said, you you won the Oscar about this year, Lucas. So, like I said, you have to pick a movie that I have to watch. Yes. What is what is that movie going to be? So this is a hard task every year. I th I feel like you don't want to pick something that you know they're absolutely going to hate. Like that's not the point of this. Right. You're not picking something that it's like <laughs> – you're not punishing someone. Um, that might end up being the case, but that's not the goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also don't want to pick a film that uh, conflicts with their values. So as uh, sure. there are many Casey Affleck films that I like that I'm not going to force you to watch. Thank you. <laughs> um Another thing is it it it, it should it has to be a movie that you haven't seen, so you also have to have right. some backup. So obviously, going through Letterbox, you can see recent films. You know, for I mean, in the last, I guess we've been on Letterbox for almost a decade at this point. But for me, it's more about like introducing you to a movie that I love that I know you would never see on your own, yeah, um, and that you may or may not like, but right. that that you would absolutely never choose to see or have never heard of. Yeah. Um, or haven't made the time for. Haven't made the time for, exactly. Um, yeah. And so last year, that was The Apartment. Um, and this year, I don't know if you've actually seen this movie or not, but my choice okay. is Calvary, um, a 2014 movie starring Brendan Gleeson. I have not seen it. You have not seen it? Okay, no. good. That's, that, that's what I thought, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. So this is, um, speaking of <laughs> Brendan Gleeson on a small um, Irish island, uh, yeah. we, got, we got Banshees of Inishirin this year, and it reminded me of this movie Calvary, which I really, really loved. Um, he plays a, a small-town priest in Ireland who is taking confession one Sunday, and um, someone threatens to kill him in a week's time. 
So this movie is about him going about his life through that week, not knowing who has threatened to kill him, but also kind of coming to terms with what has his life meant as a priest? What is, uh, what is his relationship with his other parishioners? Um, and it's not a mystery for him to like go and figure out who it is, but that is what you're thinking the whole time is he's meeting with these different people is who is threatening to kill him and kind of what does this mean? He doesn't know why or anything like that. Um, and it's a really uh, contemplative film, but it's, it's very, very good. And I kept thinking about it for weeks and weeks after I watched it. But um, I love it. I think you will like it. <laughs> I'm excited to watch it. You know, I've never seen it, but as soon as you said it, I could picture the poster. Yes. I, I know that poster with the cross. It's like, yeah. I think it's bullet holes. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think this was probably like showing at the Bell Court, and I probably saw the trailer multiple times. Yeah. Like, it's a movie that I have like a familiar uh, familiarity with. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I just pulled it up and I'm looking at the cast. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's so many people that I love in this oh, cast. Yes. And all people that like weren't very famous at the time, like Chris O'Dowd and Aiden Gillen. Um, yeah. I think Kelly Riley is in it. Um, so Kelly Riley stands out to me. I, I'm not familiar. I don't I haven't really watched anything with Kelly Riley, but I know that she stars in Yellowstone. Yes. And it's like a big deal now. Yes. She's a huge deal now. Uh, was not at the time. So. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil for you because I got to keep some of my cards close to my chest, but I started making a list of movies that I, from according to your letterbox, you haven't seen Mm -hmm. yet. Um, And I'm not going to tell you most of them, but the one that I do want to ask you, because I want to see if you actually haven't seen it yet, um, is have you seen The Shop Around the Corner? The... The musical? <laughs> the Shop Around the Corner, the movie with like James with Jimmy Stewart. Oh, like the yeah, no, I I, I haven't seen it. I forgot okay. it, I forgot it was a movie with James Stewart. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I just wanted to double check if like okay. that was something you just hadn't logged yet. Yeah, no. Nope, nope. Have not seen it. Interesting. Um, well, maybe one year we'll see that pop its head. Don't maybe. don't wait to watch it. Okay. Based on that. <laughs> like you can feel free to watch it. Of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I have plenty of options. Yes. <laughs> um, I just that was just one I was curious if you had seen or not. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well I will yeah, we'll get to watch in Calvary. I mean the precedent that we've kind of set is that I won't watch it for a full year yeah. until it's the Oscars exactly. are coming up. <laughs> um, so that, that'll likely be the case, but you never know. Yeah. I thought about picking a Christmas movie that you could watch at Christmas, but sure. um, I think like It's a Wonderful Life is probably... You haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? No, I haven't seen that, yeah. but I did watch White Christmas for the first time this year. That That's what gave me the the idea. I was like, you saw White Christmas for the first time, and I was like, oh, man, if I picked a Christmas movie, you would get to watch it before sure. <laughs> the, the deadline. So. Sure. But. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lucas. I can't wait to give this a, yeah. give this a watch. No problem. I can't wait for you to see it. the first eight episodes of the new Amazon Prime series, Daisy Jones and the Six. Only eight episodes have been released at the time of this recording, um, and the the final two episodes are coming soon. I think maybe sometime this week. Yes. Um, so, Lucas, I know that you have read the book, and I haven't. Um, so, can before we start talking about the show, can you tell me about, like, how you felt about the book, how you came to the book, all of that. Yes. Uh, this was a book that my wife, Rebecca, re- recommended to me. Um, I had not read any 
Taylor Jenkins reads books. Um, and she read this one and said, it's fantastic. You should absolutely read it. I listened to the audiobook, which mm. is one of the best audiobooks I've listened to. Um, I, it will come up as we talk about this show. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, does the audiobook have multiple narrators? Yes. So nice. each, each character is a, is a different actor. Um, and they're all famous actors. So oh. it's, it's, well, it'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it, but I think that really colors your view of the book and the the types of people these are, um, which I love when an audiobook does that. And especially yeah. for a situation like this, where it is a band, um, it's helpful um, with this many characters. Um, I absolutely loved the book and really uh, took a deep dive on all of her books. And she is one of my favorite, uh, I would say, living authors currently writing at the moment. She's Her, her books are all incredible um, and very unique, I think. And so I would... I think I've talked about her before on the show, but absolutely recommend. Um, you know, I have, I've of course heard of all of her books. Like she's, you know, a huge deal. Yeah. Um, but I've never made time for any of them. If I had to start with one, which one would you, do you think I should get started with? I would absolutely start with Daisy Jones and the Six. Okay. It's, yeah. I, I think up until her most recent one, I think, I think it is her best one. Um, her most recent one is a tennis one and I'm mm. not into tennis, but it is my new favorite. <laughs> yeah. You know, I am also, I'm not an audiobook person, mm -hmm. but this is the kind of audiobook that w is really enticing to me. Yes. Um, and so th that's something I might give a shot yeah. after, once the show ends. Um, Absol absolutely. Absolutely. I'm yeah. very interested. So reading the book and when you, you heard the show is coming, did you, did you want to see the show? How, how, what were your thoughts on that? I was I was excited about the show. I was uh, nervous, <laughs> um, like I am with any adaptation um, that isn't doesn't heavily involve uh, mu musician people for stuff like this. Sure. Um, I was I was curious how that was actually going to work out. Um, I think for me, this is a story that works better as a TV show than a movie. So I was excited that it was that it was doing that. I was less excited that it was going to be done by Hello Sunshine. Mm, um, yeah. What's her name? Reese, Reese Witherspoon's production, uh, company. production company. Yes. Um, I feel like I, I like a lot of the stuff that she does. This is a story that has a lot of rough edges. I mean, it's, it's a band in the seventies. So there's so much drugs, sex and alcohol that, um, feels like I was afraid would get sanded off. <laughs> um, so going in, I was hesitant, but excited. How about yeah. you? Um, so I, I hadn't read the book, um, and I had heard about the show, and it was like a show I was anticipating. I remember early on in the year, you and I were talking about how like there's not a ton of movies coming out this time of year mm -hmm. that we want to talk about. And we were looking at our TV schedule, and this popped up. And I was like, oh, well, that's one I'm definitely planning on watching. Um, I think the thing that had interested me the most about this show is the fact that it stars Riley Keough, who... Yeah has never failed me in anything I've watched. I, yep. I just love watching her. Um, and I knew that the book was about a band. It was kind of inspired by Fleetwood Mac and the interpersonal entanglements in that mm -hmm. band. Um, and that is, you know, really, really appealing to me. I do like a love triangle and, um, yeah, it, it, everything about it just seemed really up my alley. Do we want to talk with spoilers throughout the first eight episodes, or do we want to kind of give some thoughts before we talk about spoilers? Let's jump in 
full spoilers. I feel right. like you can't. And again, we're only going to be spoiling the first eight, right? Yeah, the yeah, first, first eight, eight that have come out, and we won't. You will not be spoiling I, the book. Correct. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, I will only be talking about the book details up until this. Right. So. Right. Um, okay. Great. So, how how are you feeling now that we've watched most of this season? And yeah, how are you feeling about the show? I like it a lot. Um, I do think a lot of it got sanded off. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think this is a really good show. I really enjoy it. I think it's hard to make a show that I'm not going to like with this cast and with this, um, you know, subject matter. Um, I, you know, I've, I've talked to this whole episode about loving mu- mu- musical, uh, <laughs> the lives of musicians uh, in media. So this is uh, this is right up my alley. I think there are things about this that make it feel a little bit... Um, a little bit cheaper, a little more clean um, than it than it could be, mm-hmm. um, and we we can I think talk a little bit more about that once we get into the specific characters. But I think overall, um, I've enjoyed it a lot. I have a bunch of nitpicks, but they're all nitpicks. Right? Yeah, I think I, I'm the same way in that I have the nitpicks are are coming to mind. Like as I'm watching the show, I'm I'm, I'm keeping a list, you know. Yeah, but. I am overwhelmed. The, the nitpicks get pushed aside because I am overwhelmed by how much fun I'm having while watching this show mm-hmm. and how um, fond of this show I've become. I, I I really am. I'm transported in a way that I I, I get excited for every episode. Um, I, I I really am enjoying the world building of this show. And, um, even more so than that, I'm actually incredibly impressed by the music. Um, I think the hardest thing about making a fictional anything about musicians is that you have to actually believe that the music is as good as the story is telling you it is, yes. right? Yes. Um, I have a lot of questions for you about how they do that yes. in a book, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. But in a movie or a TV show, we've seen about musicians. And again, if the music if the music is bland, which often that's the case, it's not bad, it's bland, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then and you're telling me that this is like the biggest rock star in the world, or you know the greatest pop star, vocalist, or whoever. Yeah. If you got to hear it to believe it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's the benefit of a book is you can talk about it without actually ever sure. hearing it. Um, she writes a lot of the lyrics in the book. And so you can see like, these are good lyrics. Like these are, these are really well done. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to do <laughs> the whole rigmarole of producing a good catchy song. So Right. Um, it's one thing that like, I think makes the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga, A Star is Born really, really good. Absolutely. Is the yeah. music is really good in that movie. Yeah. Um, and you fact, cast was, people who feel like stars, like yes. both of them feel like absolute powerhouses in, yeah. in their genres. So. Yeah. That Ali was my, Ali being the Lady Gaga character, yeah. was my runner up for my intro question. Nice. Of, yeah. You know, favorite yeah. fictional musician. Yeah. Um, because that album, the Stars Born album, I listened to all the time. You know, I would just, regardless of my affection for the movie, I would, it's just a great album. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and so... I do think – I don't think every – I can't compare it to A Star is Born in that I think that whole album is great. 
not every song in Daisy Jones, I think, is gonna is blowing me away. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of like you know skippable tracks. Definitely. Um, but a few of the singles are so incredibly catchy, and I'm singing them to myself all day. To, to myself all day. Um, and when they say like this is the number one single in the country, I fully believe it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, there's two songs on it that I'm like, these are like yeah. truly great, and the rest aren't are not bad, but are just like, okay, I get it. You know, they're right. filling out this album. Um, <laughs> um, that's for, for, for yeah. For for me, those are "Look at Me Now," the honeycomb, um, mm-hmm. which is I think the main the big right. song uh, that that kind of uh, rockets them up the charts. Uh, and the other one is "The River." For me, that one is such just like a rock song um, that feels really really good to me. Re- Regret me is like. I think on Spotify, probably like the big hit, mm. um, but it just doesn't connect with me as much. So my two are look at me now and mm-hmm. let me down easy. Oh yeah. Also um, a good one. Yeah. yeah. I think let me down easy is catchier than yeah. the others on the album, yeah. but I do think that the river is like really like impressive and yeah. sweeps you away. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I kind of for today, for the first time sat down and just listened to the music mm-hmm. as an album. Um, and there's a lot of tracks on there that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not catching all the words. I don't, I'm not remembering the choruses, but there are little pieces in the songs that are, I find really touching. Yes. Um, and so there's a lot of like good to be mined in that album. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And so the fact that they got that right, that they got, People who can perform this music and that the music is good and the music, I don't know who has written what songs, but I know that Marcus Mumford and Phoebe Bridgers have worked on some of the music on the show. Yeah. Um, So the fact that they're getting people who like make great music to make these songs, it it speaks volumes about like the effort that's being put into this show and the, like the attempt to like make it feel authentic. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I, I think we both want to talk about, I'm, I'm assuming based on what you kind of talked about your criticism of the show, is the ways in which it is sanitized. Yeah. Um, and so I, I first want to say that this show has like reignited what I forgot was my love for the 70s, like as an era of style and decor and um, just... Yeah, everything about like what the the world is in this show, I'm mm-hmm. so entranced by. Like, I want to wear those clothes. I want to live in those homes. I want to go to those parties, you know. And part of that, like, part of my fondness for all of that, I do have to admit, the fact that it is sanitized kind of helps me fall in love with this a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I think about, you know, Almost Famous is one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, people have made a lot of comparisons of Almost Famous to this show. You can't help. (laughs) Right. And that, too, is pretty sanitized, you know? Um, There there are spots where, like, they get grimy and real. But for the most part, it's not not dark or gritty. Neither Mm -hmm. of them are. And so it ma- it makes it easy to want to be there because yeah. it's like you're not seeing all you know the the seedy undercurrent in yeah. most of this show, but I do think that that also means that it doesn't feel as realistic or as um, 
you know, I don't know what the other word I'm looking for. It doesn't feel as authentic as it could in that sense. I, I think the difference between Almost Famous is they do, like you said, they like they, they lean into the some of the messy elements at, at strategic moments. Mm-hmm. So overall, pretty clean, uh, pretty sanded. But it's at strategic moments, they lean into kind of... Uh, the scariness of the drugs and stuff like that. I also think part of that movie is you're seeing it from the lens of a 13 year old boy. <laughs> so, sure. or 50, I forget how old he is in that movie, yeah. but like, so there, there is some leeway that you're, you're able to see there. Um, I think with Daisy Jones and the six, I think part of Daisy Jones's character is how, um, almost how uncaring she is about what else is going on around her. Um, as far as, you know, the drugs and like, cause there's a scariness of being out of control of being, <laughs> you know, in that, in that world, in that environment, a woman in the seventies, who's just kind of out there, um, that just isn't brought into this show really at all. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they hint at sexual assault in the first episode, right. um, to an extent, um, and not saying that like we need to see that or anything, but it right. is part of this character that and I feel yeah. very brief. It, like, very it, it's brief. like, it's, and it, it's passed by almost like in it, a montage. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I feel like it's just part of this character uh, that we're just not really getting, mm-hmm. um, almost as if it's backstory and not something that's just, uh, that she has to deal with and live with. Um, so I think also, Everybody's very pretty in this show. Yeah. In a way that feels not unrealistic, because obviously it's Hollywood. This is a TV show. Like, I'm not looking for a bunch of uggos to be part of the band. But I'm just saying, like, it's the 70s. Even Almost Famous, like, you get people who are just like, yeah, I I believe that you're in a band. Sure. (laughs) Um, And so some of the casting for me is just like, okay, all right. I'm... Again, this is the smallest nitpick, but I think it just adds to the, yeah. the feeling of a facade on this a little bit to me. Right. I can't help but think about what the HBO version of this would have been like. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. For better and worse. Yeah. You know, like, definitely. I think there's, you know, I think you and I have had conversations on this podcast about sex scenes being, you know, gratuitous or exploitative mm-hmm. or unnecessary or, or net or, you know, there's not enough of them, you know, all that, that kind of conversation. Yeah. And there's no doubt that the HBO version of Daisy Jones and the six would have like a lot more nudity, a lot more sex scenes. And depending on, you know, who's making it, who's writing it, all of that. Mm-hmm. I think the HBO one would have had deeper characters because of that. Yeah. But also I don't know if I would have enjoyed the show as much. <laughs> yeah. That's so. a fair point. You know, um, I saw the actresses that play um, Camilla and Karen. Um, yeah. It was Camilla Maroney and Suki Waterhouse. Mm-hmm. I saw them doing a, a video somewhere where they kind of mentioned that, um, there was like a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor. Like there were mm-hmm. some sex scenes left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um, and so it, I can see that like it was part of the vision that either for time or for content got, you know, sanded away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I, part of me misses it, you know, yeah. like this is, we are, I mean, we're, making a show about the seven rock a rock band in the 70s right. you know like right. it seems like there should be a lot more sex happening there should be a lot more everything happening as totally. well including 
playing music. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want more music to be played. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I really loved is some of the performances mm-hmm. um, when they're on stage is when they feel like the biggest rock stars in the world. Like they feel like they're like they, I mean, they feel like they're doing the rumor store. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what I want. And, and that is great. And that's what I'm most excited about this show. And we just don't get it as much as I want. <laughs> I, I do. Have, I'm going to, I'm going to be asking you this a million times. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of, is there more sex in the book? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously this, the format of both the show and the book is a journalist interviewing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, basically a tell all about the band. So right. People are just talking about it in hindsight, so you don't get uh, these, uh, you know, in the moment. There's not, like, sex scenes not, in the way right, that, like, right, a right. romance book might have. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot more stuff that happens. Sure. <laughs> on the drug side, on the alcohol side, on the rehab side, on the sex side, all of the, like, the affair side. Like, all of this stuff is happening um, in, in, in ways that just aren't, they're not really getting into yeah. uh, in the show. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I I go back and forth on, like, what I would want this show to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there there is part of what makes it so easy to watch is the fact that it is sanitized. Yeah. Um, but that also, I think, yeah, like, makes it a little more shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk about the scene that I was... I was liking the show, but the scene that made me be like, wow, I'm loving watching this show. Yeah, what pulled you in? What really pulled me in was the house party that Billy and Camilla throw that where the power goes out and they all have the candles and they're singing around a piano um, and Daisy shows up. Um, That was like, wow. I mean, that's a dream right there Mm -hmm. is to be at a party like that, to be a part of a friend group like this. Um, A lot of the fantasy of the show, at least at the beginning, is the stuff with the band and Camilla and how like they're this group of six that are all living in the house together and raising a kid together and taking care of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, That all seems like very picturesque in in, in a certain way. Yeah. Um, they're living in beautiful California. So, like, that whole part of the show was, like, what made it magic for me. Yeah, definitely. I, for me, it was that, um, them performing together in Hawaii for the first yeah. time, um, where she actually gets to perform with them. Right. I had liked everything before that, but that was the time when I was like, this is good. <laughs> and I yeah. really enjoy what's happening here and getting to see a performance like this. Again, it's something that a book can't give you. Um, and it was, I was like, this is why you turn this into a visual media. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's electric. Yeah. Um, and so much of that is, I mean, I, I don't want to discredit the rest of the cast and the production team, of course, but so much of that is due to Riley Keough, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think you can overstate how much her energy and charisma and like, and talent. Yeah is carrying this show in a yeah. way. Um, do, it you, makes... do you think that she is the best cast on this show? Yeah. Okay. Easily. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I actually really love this cast and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are really well cast, but I think the thing that I keep coming up against with the story and I'm again, I haven't read the book, so it's, I don't know how much of this is in the book versus just what I'm seeing in the show and with these certain actors, but 
she outshines everyone so much that you start to question the reality of the show in the sense that it's like, well, she's clearly the star. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we, why are we even wasting our time with this Billy character when she's clearly the star of the band of the show of the story, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I struggle with how much of that is the character faults with the character. Um, not being interesting enough, being frustrating, the Billy character, I mean. Yes, yeah. Um, how much of it is due to Sam Claflin, who I mm-hmm. typically love, and at times in this show I love, um, and how much of it is due to just Riley Keough being that effervescent? I think it's a, a couple of things, probably. Riley Keough is incredible, <laughs> and I think she is just pushing this as hard as she can, which yeah. is perfect. I think, for me, in the book... Um, that, that is the case. She is the star. It is her show. She drives this whole thing, but she cannot do it without Billy. And I think that's what we're not necessarily getting as much of in the show is that Billy is, it's almost like, um, she's, her foot is always on the gas and his foot is always on the brake. So sometimes it should feel like he's holding the band back, but in real reality, he's the one who's trying to keep it in control, um, while she's kind of on a rampage. Um, and I don't know if we're getting that enough. It feels right. like he's trying to hold the band back, but it doesn't show how much he's trying to keep control of <laughs> um, careers. Um, and I think, again, part of that is because we're not getting the depth of those characters together. We're not seeing them together interact as much as I would like. Right. Um, but also I think um, like w- one of the things that's different in the book is when he gets out of rehab, which is this isn't a spoiler because it's like episode two, I think, at this mm-hmm. point. Um, he doesn't try to quit the band. Yeah. And they need him. Like he immediately comes back and is writing songs and pushing the band forward and everything like that. Whereas in the show, it's kind of like he's out and they're like, okay, cool. We'll, you know, uh, we'll audition new people and we'll try, we'll just keep going without you. There, there's this, the, there's not this lack of, mm-hmm. um, of this working at all without him. Right. Um, the, and if, if I think if we had that at the beginning, then it would feel a little more even between them. Yeah. There's, there's little hints, I think of them trying to give his character some credit, mm-hmm. um, of like, he's essential as yeah. well as Daisy. Like, and you know, there's the, the great, the best line in the show or the line that at least I think kind of sums up the show is when the Karen character in an interview says, you know, it was clear that they made each other better yeah. until, of course, they didn't, you know. Yeah. And um, there are moments where you can see him making the band better, him making her better, but not quite enough, in yeah. my opinion. I agree. Um, there's, like, you know, the moment where I think in the beginning of the show, before Daisy joins them, um, they have a, a show that Teddy Price goes to. Mm-hmm. And you can see that the other guys are, like think it went really well and billy's character is like we need to improve this we need to improve that he has these lists so you can see like he's the guy that's pushing them to be better yeah um and like the fact that he shares his publishing rights with Uh the rest of them is like he you know cares about them he wants them all to survive kind of thing so it's like those little moments Mm -hmm. um another great one i think is when he and daisy have that like writing session that very first writing session together um 
And she has the line about, she is describing something like a kite. And he's like, what are you trying to say there? And she's like, oh, I'm trying to be like untethered. It's like when you feel, he's like, well, then just say that, you know? And you can see like, okay, that's how he makes her a better writer. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, in comparison to how much she, how much good she brings to the music and how much her energy and charisma brings to the stage when they're performing, it just pales in comparison. It really does. It really does. I also don't feel like we get enough, and this is probably just personal preference, but we don't get enough of them writing together. And that's what I like. That's where all the charisma and that's where all their connection comes from is them Mm -hmm. having these writing sessions together. And we see a little bit in montage. We see it in that one episode. But a lot of it is them just coming back from writing to be with the band or them going off to write by themselves. And I'm like, I want to see that process together because that's where you guys are forming this relationship. Totally. You know what? Also, I have always wanted to see in music movies, but they never put it in. And so I just must assume it might just be really boring to watch if that's <laughs> because it's never included is in all of these shows and movies, the people who have written the song, like bring it to the band. Right. And they're like, here's the song. And then all of a sudden the band just starts playing it. And it's like, wait a minute. I know that these people are not getting sheet music. I know. How yeah. <laughs> is this guitar player and this keyboard player and these, this drummer knowing what to play? Yeah. Like, and there's a line in the show where Eddie's character says, like, you know, it really changed with Daisy. We each got to contribute. You yeah. know, it wasn't just the Billy show. But we don't actually see any of the other band members say, like, showing the other band members, hey, what if we did this? I was playing with this. We don't see any of that at all. Yeah. I think I, – I 100% agree with you. I don't think it's boring. I actually think it's awesome to see and, yeah. and so invigorate. I don't know if you watched the the Beatles documentary, Get Back, I, on I Disney+. Plus. It does that where you watch the – you watch – John come in with a song <laughs> and then create it in the room of like, yeah. I, I've got the lyrics and the guitar. And then they all build on top of that and they sit and they talk about it. And I know you can't focus a whole show on just that, but doing that in one episode, especially once you see how much she's changing the band. Cause you, you see that originally that basically he's running the show. He writes all the parts. He tells everybody just what to do. But that conversation around building a song I think would have been a great addition to this. I I agree. Another thing I'm struggling with the Billy character Mm -hmm. is that he's such a prick. Like he, what's frustrating about this is Sam Claflin as an actor is so handsome and charming. Like Mm -hmm. I've seen him in other things where it's like, he's the romantic lead. He is the guy that people swoon for. And in this show, Physically, he looks great, mm-hmm. but like his character, I'm not interested in. Like that, I don't, I'm not attracted to or drawn towards his character. Um, and it that it's hard to watch sometimes. It's yeah. like he needs to be a slightly bit more charming or a little bit more like devilishly, you know, like he can be a prick in a way that like you find irresistible, you yeah. know? Yeah. He's just, like, annoying in a lot of scenes. Yeah. One of the only things that we see about him is he went to rehab and he's just trying to hold it together. And so most of the time he's mad that he's having to hold it together by himself. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't don't get any more of that. Like, like, 
like you said, if he were more devilish, more charming in some situations where he didn't have to con- that constantly be the one thing that he's thinking about at all times. Yeah. So if we got more writing sessions, he could be that. If we had more time with him and Camilla, mm-hmm. um, he could be that. Like if we could, if we just saw more aspects of his personality besides the uptight guy who's trying to ruin everybody's fun and trying to keep the band on track. Yeah. Um, I did love the sequence of him. And Camilla, like, repairing their relationship after rehab. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that that was handled really well. Definitely. Um, in contrast, though, him, you know, having, like, being so frustrating and not being charming enough, exactly. The Daisy character, I think, is hitting the balance perfectly. Yeah. Of... You can see how she's a disaster to be around. Like yes. you can see yes. how like exhausting <laughs> she would be, uh-huh. how annoying she could be, but you also see how fun it would be to be around her, mm-hmm. how you can't take your eyes off of her, how like funny and joyous she is. And so it's like you you it balances. Mm-hmm. Um and she feels like a full character in that way. Yep. Yep. And I think they're doing a lot of that with her relationship with Simone Jackson and yeah. her relationship with uh, Teddy Price. Like both of those, you can see just how much <laughs> how much yeah. work she is. Um, but we just don't get. But fr- from both of those, we see how much they love her too. Right. And we just don't get that from the Billy Dunn character as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think you know. I'm trying to think of like how how could you fix the. Obviously, I, I'm not a TV writer. I know that this is so much harder than it is, like, than we were just saying, like, <laughs> yeah. make him charming, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and I always try to think, like, what are the, the small fixes that you could do to make these – to fix these issues? Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that, like, Daisy Jones's character gets to do that really, like, makes you feel warm towards her mm-hmm. is she's, like, defensive over, like, people that she loves, you yes. know? like. When the Simone character, her, like, voice gets stolen, Daisy, like, wants to go, like, rip the producer a new one. You know, she's yeah. protective over this person. And, or you see her stand up to people, you know. And yep. it would be nice if the Bill, if we got a moment or two where you saw the Billy character do that for someone. Like, yeah. take care of, ter- take care of someone other than his wife and kid. Like, right. Right. be a good guy <laughs> in a moment, you know, be yeah. it. Lend a helping hand. Say something nice to someone. You know, like, he's (laughs) such a grump. He is. He is. Yeah. And such an egomaniac. Like, they're both Mm -hmm. egomaniacs. That's, like, the conflict of the story is two egomaniacs. But Daisy's gets balanced out in in moments in ways that it rarely Billy's does. I agree. So other aspects of the show that I'm really interested in and really loving – I do love the Karen Graham dynamic and relationship. I do too. I was thrown off by the cat. So in the in the audiobook, mm. um, Grant uh, Graham is played by Benjamin Bratt, oh. and Karen is played by Judy Greer. Okay. Um, and again, everything's in flashback, so you they're obviously older. older. Yeah. Um, but. So in my, I, I I think those people fit very well <laughs> mm. um, in those types of roles. Um, I was surprised by just like Su- Suki is a completely different uh, actress than I expected yeah. to be cast in something like this. I think she works really well here. It was just uh, 
off. It was it was off book for me. Right. <laughs> um, but I think I think she's doing a great job. I wanted her to be more. I was afraid it would get to like I'm the girl in the band. I'm just gonna be in a relationship immediately, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she does a good job of kind of explaining. Um, that that's not what she wants. She's a musician and all of that. I think we hear it a little bit more than we see it. I want to sure. see her. I want to see her doing the work. <laughs> sure. I agree. I did like that scene though, where she yes. kind of like has that one-on-one with Graham yeah. and says like why she doesn't want to make the relationship public. What I liked yeah. about that scene though, is that when she says, I don't want to be just known as the girlfriend of the, of the guitarist. Yes. Um, I liked that. The Graham character said, I totally get it. Yep. And, and we was, know that he gets it because we've well, seen him get it by being the brother, the brother of Billy of Dunn. The, yes. Yeah. And then that went unsaid. It's yes. like, oh, we didn't we have know to talk about he it. Gets it yep. Because he's exactly been there. Exactly. Yeah. That, I, 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 I feel you there. The, the, that was one of the places where I'm like, they're doing so much to show these relationships and yeah. not tell. Where in other places, they're just telling us everything <laughs> without sure. us ever seeing it. So. Yeah. And also at the beginning of the show, I mean, I'm a sucker for someone pining after someone in their close friend group, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. It's great. It's the like Graham mm-hmm. pining after her, which means I'm also a sucker for Eddie pining after Camilla. Okay. I was going to ask about that. So that yeah. is that is also a change from the book. That is not something that happens at all. At all. In at the all. Book. In Interesting. The book. Yeah. Well, when I mentioned earlier that there were sex scenes cut out, um, I think they specifically mean a sex scene between Camilla and Eddie. That makes sense. Cut from the show. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a sucker for anyone pining after someone mm-hmm. that's like they can't have, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. Um, and it's interesting because one thing we haven't talked about yet in the show is the styling yes. of all the <laughs> actors as they're pl- playing their older versions of themselves. I right? have a, a whole section that we definitely need to talk about. Great. There. <laughs> well, what's interesting is Eddie, young Eddie. Yeah. I find really charming. Yes. Like even when he's a little like petty and bitter about mm-hmm. Billy stuff, you know, like I'm not, it's not a, doesn't bother me, you know, cause I, I'm anti Billy all right. the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. Eddie. Yes. Um, but older Eddie, something about, I don't know if it's the makeup or if it's his performance, seems so sweezily. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, yeah. Not connecting with older Eddie. I agree with you. I'm not connecting with older most people. I've, no. I, I am connecting with Riley Keough. I yeah. am connecting with Sam Claflin. Sam, well, Sam Claflin. Yeah. As their older selves. Everybody else feels weird to me. Actually, Suki Waterhouse works. A little bit. The, I think so too. The the, the aging people up uh, doesn't look great. Um, I, th- I I think that's the the makeup and the hair are a little rough on most people. <laughs> but as far as characters, I am connecting all except for Eddie. You know, I think I'm in the minority of everyone's opinions here because I actually am really into the makeup and the aging up. Really, I I, I understand why people think it's bad. Like, I kind of get it. But for me, it's actually working. Like, I think I prefer that so much more to a CGI or a recasting that I'm just, like, really appreciative of how they were able to do it, you know? Yes. In the book, it's a 40-year gap. And so 
they've shrunk that to a 20 year gap, which Smart. makes sense for using the, re- the same actor actors, yeah. um, which I am happy with. Yeah. Recasting would be terrible. Um, CGI, I think would also be <laughs> terrible. So yeah. they're, they're working with the budget they have. And I, yeah. I appreciate that. Another thing I like about them doing a 20 year jump is that the, then all the styling is very nineties yeah. hair, which <laughs> yeah. I am having a lot of fun with. It is fun. like, I love Daisy Jones looking like um, Winona Judd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lo- with the lipstick and the straight hair. Yeah. And um, I love um, Karen's character looking like um, what's her like what's her name? Oh, not like Joan Jett. It's like someone else that I'm thinking of. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm blanking. Yeah. But like, I I am enjoying. And another thing that I, the styling is causing me to do is trying to think of like you know we we don't i don't know how the story ends Uh or if any of these characters are still in romantic relationships with each other you know yeah and the styling is like making me try to i'm trying to get clues by the styling like so for instance my theory is that Karen and Graham are no longer together because their styling is so different (laughs) that i feel like if they were still a couple yeah they wouldn't be styled that way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, which I'm sad about, yeah. but you know, <laughs> what can you do? So anyway, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, what do you think of the, the format of telling the story this way with the flash forwards? I like it. I think it works. Um, I think I listened to a, a podcast where they were talking about the show, Bill Simmons on the ringer. Yeah. And he was basically saying, like, the, the, those scenes are hard for him. He's like, if you've ever made a music documentary, you know that, like, the sound bites that these characters are giving are just so unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. And once he said that, I was like, yeah, I'm seeing that now. Like, the, they're saying the perfect thing, mm-hmm. right? They're saying the perfect thing for, you know, the, the clips that they have of right. the past or whatever. But also right. things that don't really make a lot of sense in a documentary. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel like they're adding to the story at all. Like if you cut out all those parts, mm-hmm. um, would you still be able to tell this story this way? I think so far with what we've seen. Yes. Right. I, I agree. I think they could be used more sparingly. Yes. Um, what, there is a scene though, where it, they really worked and they really, it's a big laugh line. It's actually a clip that I saw before I started watching this show. I saw it on TikTok mm-hmm. that made me be like, I got to get into this. I got to actually get the show started. Yeah. Um, and it's the scene where, um, Daisy Jones had just joined the band and he says like, we have a new song and she goes, let me guess. It's about your wife and the rain. And it <laughs> yes. cuts to, the the older versions all laughing yeah. at remembering that moment yeah and the warren character or maybe it was the eddie character says something like i think it was called she's the storm yes yes that's that is absolutely the best use <laughs> it was really funny like it really got me uh-huh um i like I, I, again i like i said earlier i like the line that karen says like it was clear they made each other better mm-hmm. until they didn't um so there are moments when it really works, and mm-hmm. especially Riley Keough. Like she, yeah. there are moments where she doesn't say a lot. Actually, like they don't cut to her often for for um, coverage, you know. Yeah. But when they do cut to her older her, and she has a glint in her eye or a smirk on her face, um, 
Or in like one of the recent episodes when she talks about her wedding day and mm-hmm. she says, you know, I've made a lot, I've, I've regretted a lot of my choices in my life, but that I'll never regret that day. Yeah. yeah. That does lend a lot of weight to the story for me. I agree. Um, I think about her relationship with the Nikki character differently because of that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. So I think they could be used less. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're essential, but there are times when they've really, really worked for me. I agree. I just think they could be better. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of no, worse. Really? Yeah, that um, makes sense. Also, I think my least favorite, and this this just might be the casting. I don't like Camilla. Like in the in the flash forwards like, and like the performance. The perf- and the her character. her performance her performance is bad, I think. I I know many people don't don't think that way at all, but yeah. <laughs> I think her casting feels weird, and I think her, her as an actress uh, does not work here. I know she's been in other stuff. I know other people think she's good. Just in this role, it feels very forced to me. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't disagree more. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I think that oh, the strength of this show, which is also a problem, mm-hmm. is that I. I'm really, really loving the performances of Riley Keough, Camilla Maroney, and Suki Waterhouse. That, like, I think all three of them are pretty fantastic. And that's great for the show, but it also means that, like, whenever we're not on one of them, I'm I'm getting a little disinterested. Like, I really want all my time with the show to be with one of those three characters. Um, I would love a version of this show... That was like, we're going to take a story about a band, but put it through the eyes of three female characters and split it equally between the three of them. Yeah. Like a version of like Girls on HBO where it's like we're splitting the storylines evenly up Uh between these main characters. I would love a version of that that focused on these three. Like the singer, the musician, the wife, and like those archetypes of you know, this women in the seventies, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's not exactly what we have. Um, I, I really like Camilla Maroney. Um, there's a movie that you will absolutely not like that. I've always really loved called never going back that she stars. in. I almost watched it this week just because she's in it. I was like, I have to see if she's good in other things. (laughs) She, she is good in it, but Lucas, I can't stress enough that this is not the movie. Like you really will not like this movie. Okay. It's just, I think it's fantastic and I would love to be proven wrong, but it's like all the things that, That the tropes that you don't like. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and that it's about like stoners making bad decisions and yeah. like you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I you know I'm I'm enchanted by her in this um and I think she's bringing a lot to a character that in many productions or, or stories like this is often pushed to the side right is yeah. the the girlfriend that gets cheated on or the wife that's left at home with the kid you mm-hmm. know definitely. Um, I'm thinking I think she brings a lot of depth to that kind of character. I think her character does as a whole with anybody yeah. cast in it. I think it's a great character. I am not loving how they're using her character mm. and the and Camilla's it's 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 hard saying Camilla's performance of Camilla. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> um 
I want to talk more about this after after the last two episodes airs as well because sure. I, I I'm going to keep an eye on her and see yeah uh, see how this goes. Yeah. Um. What about Suki Waterhouse? How are you feeling about her? She's fantastic. She's fantastic. Yeah. Again, a completely different character than what's in the book, um, but fantastic. I love what they're doing with her. Yeah. I mean, one criticism that I have heard that I don't think bothers me at all, but I understand, is that you have like Riley Keough, Camilla Moroni, and Suki Waterhouse are three of like the most gorgeous women you can imagine. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And that was some having, of my original problems with the casting <laughs> when I first saw yeah. that they were cast. I was like, really? <laughs> and like, it's, you kind of need like the imbalance of the looks for, right. for, for this story. Like right. part of, I, I, I don't know if this is the case in the book, but I imagine that the Daisy Jones character is shines so bright that like it makes it, other yes. women pale in comparison to her. Right. Um, Hey. And Camilla Maroney and Suki Waterhouse are not paling in comparison looks wise, you know, like they're, e- they're all just like model esque. Yes. Um, but I also think that like, they're, they're so good at the show that like, that's not bothering me that much. Yeah. I think that makes sense. How are you feeling about the guys in the band? Um, the guys are fine. They, uh, basically everybody but Billy feels like background. Um, yeah. I, I I have no problem with any other performances. Um, and also, like, I don't need to dive deep into all of their lives. Again, we've got Graham and Karen. Yeah. Um, that relationship is is working well for me. Um, everybody, the, the actors themselves, I'm just like, this is this is working. <laughs> but no yeah. standouts. For me, I'm I'm pretty charmed by them. Um, I think that they did a good job of casting guys in the band that I find really cute and attractive, but that I do see how like Sam, they're no Sam Claflin physically. You know what I mean? Like he's the front man for a reason. Right. And, um, they don't compare to him in that sense, but in a scene where you're focusing on them, I am like, Oh, I'm charmed by you. I would Mm want to flirt with you at a party, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they make me laugh, you know? Definitely. In fact, I, I oftentimes enjoy, my time with them on screen more than I enjoy my time with Billy Dunn. Cause they are fun. Yeah, they're constantly they're fun. fun in the show. So yeah, it's good. And I can't overstate how much I love the fantasy of a friend group that lives together, that takes care of each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like a chosen family. Yeah. And they do a, a lot of good work and the show of like making that feel very lived in and real mm-hmm. in a way that the Sam Claflin character always feels kind of separate, removed from them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so like, you know, when the Graham character is playing with the little kid, like you mm-hmm. believe it that like, he's part of this kid's life and and you're charmed by that, you know? Yeah. Um, Okay, I think we also. I really want to talk to you about the Simone side story that we yes. got in episode seven. I think it was. Yeah. Um, I I'm assuming that that wasn't part of the book, no. but I loved it as a detour. I did too, and I think it works really well to show. I feel like some of those side stories can just be like, we want to put a character in here, so we're mm-hmm. gonna add stuff for them to do. And I think what this does well is kind of highlight the difference between her relationship with music, her relationship with, um, Bernice, Bernice, Bernie, Mm -hmm. Bernie, Bernie, with Bernie and her relationship with Daisy. 
and and that uh, basically all of that episode is just a reflection of Daisy's relationship with herself and the band as a whole. So it works really, really well. I don't. I was nervous about that. Well, like when it started, I'm like, oh, this is going to be mostly about Simone. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, how's this going to go? But yeah. I thought it was great. I really loved it. Yeah. And I think she's and a great part of this story. Like she fits well here. Totally. And I do like the reminder of like, while well, all this stuff, this rock scene is mm-hmm. going on in California, a completely different music revolution is happening in New York. Yes. And to like be transported to like the other coast and a different kind of city and a different kind of music uh, was really refreshing and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And then in the same episode, we get taken to like, what I actually <laughs> think might be the most beautiful place in the world is Greece. Gorgeous. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so- I think, I think it's interesting. Cause like, you obviously know she's going to go back. Yeah. Like at no point are you like, this could be it. The rest of the show could be the band going on without her. And like, right. you, you know, that's happening. Right. But this really gives you such a good look at like, why would she go back though? <laughs> like when I mean, she has truly, this. It was kind of tough because yeah. you're like, on one hand, I believe the characters when they're saying like, you won't be happy here. You're happy. You say yeah. you're happy now, but you're not going to be happy here long right. term. Right. And you also, you instinctually, as, no, as an audience member, you know she's running from her problems mm-hmm. instead of facing her problems. So, like, all of that intellectually makes sense, emotionally makes sense. Um, but at the same time, when she's like, why would I go back? Yeah. Part of me is like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't go back. Like, right. And, and, the next episode, you actually see, like, maybe she shouldn't have yeah, come back. Right. Like, this is bad. <laughs> Everything gets so much worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, what I'm interested in is that, like, how much of – does it get bad when she comes back? How much of it is at fault her relationship with B- Billy? Yeah. Her relationship with herself? Mm-hmm. And music versus and her relationship with Nikki. Like yeah. who is more at fault yeah. for her spiral? Yeah. Um, and I don't think the show makes it super clear, which maybe like that's on purpose. Yeah. You know? Which I like. I think yeah. if it was a very if I think if it was clean cut, it's like, oh, this is all Nikki's fault, or oh, this is all Billy's right. fault, it right. would almost feel like too easy of a fix. Sure. But because it's all mixed like that, like yeah. it's almost just like there's really no good way out of this. Yeah. Um, here's a, here's a nitpick. Yep. What, what the fuck is Nikki's accent? Like, where is he supposed to be from? So he's, he's Irish. Um. Well, his family's Irish. Family's Irish. He slips into Irish and English a lot. (laughs) But also seemingly like American sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I, I don't know if that's like an acting thing, like a choice, or if it's just like he can't hold down an Irish accent. Yeah. (laughs) Let me look up this actor yeah. where his he's Gavin De, Gavin Drea. Yeah. Um, born in Ireland, okay. born in Dublin. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I was confounded by the accent. I was constantly <laughs> li- watch every time he's on scene. I'm like, yeah. But where is he supposed? I know his family is Irish royalty, but where yeah. is he supposed to be from? Because my family's Irish royalty, but I was raised in London, or you yeah. know, like whatever. Yeah. I that hear is- his Irish accent a lot of the time. It okay. is just sometimes I do hear a British, like an English accent, and sometimes yeah. you're right, I do hear an American accent. But yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you know, 
I did find that Grease episode to be like so pretty. Like yeah. just visually, like wow, like I understand why, you know, you would get seduced by yeah. all of this. Definitely. At the same time, when the poets were talking about how like you can't, you know, sell your art or it's right, worthless. Right. And I'm like, yeah, easy for uh-huh. all of you to say, <laughs> probably living off of this Irish prince's exactly. dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I think it I think that's an interesting thing to explore of like, do sure. do you have to share your art for it to be fulfilling to yeah. you? Um that's not the group to uh get into that with. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I will say, like, of course you see the foreshadowing of like Nikki not being the best guy like throughout episode eight. Right. But I was pretty shocked at the ending to see like just how dark he got. Yes. Um, to have, to see him be willing to send people away when his wife is unconscious was like that. That is really, really evil. He got very controlling and then got, uh, <laughs> borderline uh, murderous, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because if it had just been, I have to go, I can't be around this. Right. That wouldn't have been quite as villainous to me. Yeah. That would have been like a panic moment, you know, like. A panic, he's a bad guy kind of a thing. Right. But not but like. To like try to send people away so that he, like, she doesn't get any help. Yeah. Is really bad. Yeah. Um. So. We'll see how yeah. that plays out. Um, I've overall, obviously, I think we both love the show, but I'm curious to hear: Do you have any like expectations for the last two episodes? Well, I mean, we know in the very beginning of the show that they talk about how they were a super successful band, like biggest band in the country. They do this big show, and then they split up after it and never spoke to each other again kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So I, I know where it's headed, yeah. right? I know we're headed towards a big show. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be in New York, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're making our way across the country. I'm assuming that Camilla is going to be at the show and it's going to, she's going to see the energy between the two of them and it, call it off or, you know, like call them out something. Um, what I'm curious about is, like, if anything physical happens between um, Daisy and Billy before this all erupts, you know? And I want to know, like, how do, how the other relationships, like, fall apart or stay together or, you know, all of that. Um, I'm excited because also I think it's pretty widely known that part of the inspiration for the story is this iconic concert, Fleetwood Mac concert, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a song called Silver Springs that, and I'm not an expert in this, this is just my understanding, that they, like, didn't play. Like, they would do these concerts, or, like, they would get to get together and do these concerts, but they would never play Silver Springs. And then, I think it's a 1997 Fleetwood Mac reunion concert, or big concert of some kind. They do the number, and in the song, part of the lyrics are, like, you will never get away from the sound of the woman who loved you. You'll never get away from like the voice of the woman who loved you. Ah. It'll follow you to like, and during the show, Stevie Nicks is like singing these lyrics to Lindsay Buckingham. Like she's not looking at the audience. She's like staring him down and they're staring each other down and singing it together. And the, you know, they've broken up and, 
it's so powerful to watch. It's like scandal. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so like that is like part of the inspiration for this whole Daisy Jones stories. It's like that chem that moment of a con something happening in a concert where yeah. it's like undeniable to everyone watching what is going on between these two people. Yeah. Um so I have to say I cannot wait to see how that is portrayed. <laughs> How that is recreated in some way. Yeah. Okay, can I say one more nitpick? Yes. The fact that Billy Dunn thinks that they could go a whole tour and not do their number one song is I know. Yeah, ludicrous. (laughs) (laughs) Does that happen in the book? I don't think so. Okay. I don't remember that part being a thing. (laughs) Here's my biggest question for you. In the book, are the lyrics to the songs in the book the same as... Okay. They've, they've all been. I, I think some of them are similar, but they're they're yeah. all they're all different. Are the yeah. song names the same? The song names are the same. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think that is really fascinating. I would love to watch a behind the scenes like yeah. documentary about how do you take songs from a book and turn them into real songs yeah. that sound great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see yeah how it all comes together and maybe to chat with you more about how the ending com- of the show compares to the ending of the book. Definitely. Or maybe just actually listen to the book. We'll, yep. so, yep. we'll see what I do. <laughs> if any of you listening have any thoughts about the show or the book that you want to share with us, um, Lucas, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me everywhere at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yeah. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 